0: And Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Proclaim not just to his sons, but his beloved daughters. Not just the privileged few, but to the entire human race. To the whole creation, to all the colors and creeds, for God so loved all of us. How then can one daughter be more worthy than another? One son be more deserving than his brother? One color be more beautiful than all the rest? For it is written that no one can number his children. They will come from every nation. They will come from all tribes. They will speak all languages, and with their mouths they will sing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Therefore, we are all created in his image, not just a certain few, We are all adopted, none of us are His by birth, and we all must find the way, the truth, and the life. We all need Jesus. Jesus the martyr, Jesus the poor man, Jesus the prisoner, Jesus the teacher, Jesus the prophet, Jesus the resurrected, Jesus the first and the last. He is the creator of diversity, the author of equality, the defender of the defenseless, the one who breaks the chains of slavery, the one who continues to fight for freedom. He is the Messiah. He is the risen king. He is our only hope. Jesus, the savior of the world. Jesus, the one who died for all.
1: For all. Two beautiful words, huh? For all. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our redeemer, our savior, our strength. Amen. Amen. So, I want to talk about some football today. I know that might be a little bit controversial because, well, who knows if we're even going to be playing football this fall uh, and whether we should be playing, who knows. But any football fan would know that August is a great time of year when players and coaches are in the middle of training camp, getting ready for week one of their of their season. Two-a-days drills, workout, strength training, film review, meeting with coaches, I mean, everything that's involved in training camp. Uh, without it, the team would be disorganized, they'd be out of shape, they'd be discouraged with one another, they'd lack direction, the coaches and players would be frustrated with each other, fans of course would, I don't know, they might even give up after a while. It's a necessary part of their journey uh, to whatever championship they they are pursuing. It's a necessary part of being a team, which makes this time of year a great time of year normally because everybody has their eyes on the prize. Every team has a chance to, to win it all. Every player has the opportunity to stand out, to shine, to, to uh, prove what they're made of. Well, it used to be a great time of year, let's just say that. Uh, who knows what it's going to be this time around, uh, even if we'll have football this fall. But I still like the imagery <clears throat> because it's perfect for today's gospel reading when Jesus is putting His disciples through training camp. In other words, here's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, to to be at the top of your game. Jesus, the coach, carefully preparing, preparing His players, His disciples to be what He needs them to be, because soon He's going to say to them, now it's your turn. You've been watching, you've been following, you've been listening very carefully. Now it's your turn. In fact, those are Essentially, the last words out of his mouth in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28, when he says, you're ready for this, you're prepared, so go, go into all of the world to, to baptize all people everywhere, to all the nations. Go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But back to today's gospel, because it's week four of training camp for Jesus and His disciples. The last several weeks we've been, if you've noticed, if you've been with us in worship, you've noticed that we're in the middle section of Matthew's gospel, chapters, essentially chapters 13 through 16. Some of the great stories of faith are in these, in this part of Scripture, the feeding of 5,000, Jesus walking on water, uh, when Jesus calls Peter the rock upon whom He will build the church. It all ends in chapter 17 with the transfiguration, just really important, necessary, beautiful stuff. And through it all, um, He's he's taking them through some serious drills. He's teaching them some important lessons, of course. But now, He's going to push the envelope a little bit. It's week four, right? I mean, they've they've been at it for a while, so He can stretch them a little bit. What any good coach would do, He's going to take them where none of them probably wanted to go and certainly where none of us like to go. In today's story, Jesus takes His disciples outside of Israel to a city called Tyre, which is a Canaanite city, city on the Mediterranean Sea more importantly, Tyre is the center of Canaanite paganism uh, and is widely known among the Jews as enemy territory. It's interesting because this is the only time that Jesus and certainly His disciples step outside of the land of, of Israel in the Gospels. Why is that such a big deal? Well, Jews didn't like the Canaanites one bit and vice versa. The Canaanites had been a thorn in their flesh for centuries. Jewish boys and girls were raised to despise the Canaanites. They weren't even allowed to talk to the Canaanites, and vice versa. So, the question to ask, especially at the beginning of this story, is why? Why would Jesus want to go there? Why is Jesus taking them there? And we don't know. The story doesn't tell us, really. But let's just say that Jesus wants to take the disciples away from the comforts of home. Again, He wants to stretch them a little bit. Yeah, away from familiar people and places to introduce them to something outside of their four walls. More importantly, Jesus is going to use this opportunity to call into question everything the disciples had assumed about the people they hated so much, the Canaanites. So, Let's read the story together. It's Matthew chapter 15, and I did not bring my Bible up here, so… Oh, here it is. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. But as we read it, I want you to um, do something for me. I want you to dare to ask yourself this question, what is this story saying to me about my story? Let's read it. Verses 21 through 28, Jesus went away with His disciples to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Again, that Canaanite region right along the Mediterranean. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter, she's tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her at all. And the disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. So Jesus answered, I I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, but it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Here's what's going on. There are three main characters in the story, right? Jesus, the disciples, and this Canaanite woman. I'd like to take a quick look at two things that I find particularly interesting about this story. Number one, the reaction of the disciples to this woman, and two, this woman's persistence. Number one, scene one. Think of it this way. The Canaanite woman approaches Jesus, and she's shouting, She needs something. She needs help, and she's heard about Jesus. Now, come on, that doesn't make her a follower of Jesus. She's a Canaanite, so unlikely a follower of Jesus. It just means that she's desperate. Her daughter is being tormented by a demon. Now, I don't know what that looks like specifically. I don't know what it necessarily looks like to be tormented by a demon, but I do know the love of a parent who will do anything for her child. So, she yells out to Jesus, please help me, scene one, scene two the disciples, their response. Now you'll notice that Jesus does not respond immediately, and that might catch you by surprise. We don't know why, except maybe He is waiting for the disciples to respond. Any good teacher would do that. Uh, The scene is set up, and and He's shown them how to respond to to situations like these, and He's eager to see how they're going to respond. And sure enough, that's what we're going to take a look at too. How do they respond? They yell out, send them away, send her away, they say. We don't have time for people like her. We already have enough time for ourselves, they probably said underneath their breath. Pretty unsympathetic, it sounds like to me. Why? We don't know why they're being unsympathetic to her, uh, except maybe they're, I don't know, put off by this woman's aggressiveness. Uh, or maybe they're intimidated, maybe they're afraid, or maybe they're just flat-out prejudiced. We don't know. But what we do know is that they've been fed uh, a narrative all of their lives about the Canaanites. They've been taught all of their lives to hate these people. Uh, This narrative that says that they are inferior, that that they're lazy, conniving, greedy, that they're always just trying to get their own way, and, and they're just downright mean and irritating after all. Why should this woman be any different? So send her away, Jesus. She's just like all the rest of them," is essentially what they're saying, which is the way prejudice begins, right? I mean, when we paint broad brush brush strokes over an entire group of people based on stories that have been passed down for generations, prejudice that leads to superiority, superiority that leads to advantage, advantage that leads to something like uh, broadly systemic racism. I mean, it's like a snowball that starts at the top of the hill and gets to the bottom, and all of a sudden, boom, we're in the middle of something serious now, right? It begins with the stories that we tell about one another, the narratives that we hold on to for some reason or another. Jesus is going to show them and us a better way, but more importantly, and this is important to hear, that there is no room for prejudice in discipleship. None. Scene three the woman's response. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone hurls criticism at me or belittles me, I just want to make myself really small and slip away, <laughs> to sort of disappear. And that's actually sort of what I expect this woman to do, but she doesn't. She stays put. It's a surprise in the story. I guess maybe she's already… Taken a big risk just to be there in the first place. I mean, think of it in terms of social protocol. She's a woman who's initiating a conversation with a man, not permitted. She's a Canaanite who's in conversation and approaching a Jewish person, not permitted. And then add on that the stigma of having a demon possessed daughter. I mean, my goodness gracious, her own people, the Canaanites, would never have approved of what she's doing, much less these disciples from the land of Israel. But She's desperate. Sometimes you'll do anything when you're desperate, and so she persists. And what's interesting is that Jesus listens. It's the most powerful part of the story, I believe, because up to this point, no one has listened to her, maybe in her whole life, but certainly not in the story. Now, underneath their breath, they were hurling things, insults, names like dog, because that's what the people of Israel would call the Canaanites. Literally, it was a, a common name that they would call people outside of Israel, the, the Gentiles, but specifically the ones they hated like the Canaanites, the dogs. And, and so even Jesus starts to sort of play on that word and, and using words that he, you know that they were uh, hurling at her maybe underneath their breath, you dog, right? But Jesus says, so… Um, Am I to minister to, to a dog? But what's interesting, not evident in the English language, but is very, very clear in the original languages, is that the words that are hurled as insults toward this woman is, is describing a street dog, a mongrel, but Jesus doesn't use that word at all. He describes a house dog, a pet, one who is to be cared for and loved. Am I to care for that dog? Jesus asks. It's interesting because within it, you see there are two things going on. One is that she is the victim of all of these these insults, these names that are belittling her, but she's also the victim of not being listened to by anyone except Jesus. Have you ever felt that sting? Either the sting of being being belittled in such a way or the sting of not being listened to? Many of you have not, but many of you have. At home, at school, at work. Women speak that way in places of business often. The disabled often feel as though they are not even noticed or identified. People who struggle with mental illnesses or depression A lot of folks live in a world where they feel as though they are not at all being listened to. They are being cast aside as the other. And even in our own country's history, there have been plenty of occasions where entire groups of people have been excluded, not listened to. Native Americans, blacks, especially in the time of slavery. Interesting era in the 1800s when Irish families were, who migrated in the, uh, to the U.S., and they were pushed intentionally, deliberately, forcefully into the ghettos of New York and Boston so that they would not be listened to. These days, migrants from places like Guatemala and Honduras and throughout the areas of Central America. It, it's striking to me how similar they all are to this Canaanite woman from Tyre who is, who is crying out. For someone just to listen to her, right? And what's the first thing that Jesus does? He listens. It's that simple. It's a critically important mark of a disciple to listen. And yet, it's one of the most un, un, uh, uh, underemphasized words in the English language these days. It's, it's one of the most uh, underestimated words in our culture these days, to listen. I mean, especially in this era of social media posts and bumper sticker politics, we, it seems, have uh, no longer know how to listen, right? Only to spout out what we believe, but not to listen to what others have to say. The first thing Jesus does is listen. Second, Jesus saw her as a person, not as a woman, not as a woman from Tyre, not as an ethnic group or a minority or an enemy. He didn't distinguish her by the color of her skin or the shape of her body. He saw her as a person, a person who, just like you and me, was made in the image of God. Look, you know as well as I. Let's just go ahead and get right down to it. You know as well as I that that we have a lot of racial stress in our country right now. If you don't know that, you're living on another planet. Some may think that this kind of conversation has no room in the church, but it's clearly important to Jesus, and it's clearly a part of His conversation even with His everyday disciples, so therefore it should be part of our conversation as well. It's been with us for generations, since the beginning of time, some would argue, but we find ourselves in a unique moment in our history as Americans. And as Christians, I mean, it seems at some level that we're in a powder keg moment, that things could explode any moment, but perhaps it could also be a, a turning point moment, a blessed turning point moment. Who knows? In the midst of all of the stress, the chaos, the rhetoric, the grandstanding, the politics, the anger, the rage, might... Jesus be offering us some very simple guidelines, very simple guidelines. Number one, let's dare to listen. More specifically, to listen to the one who has not been listened to. To listen, not for the sake of, of argument, you know, forming an argument so that we can then, you know, share our own opinion or to form some response or whatever that might be, but simply to listen deeply to uncover the truth that God is ready to reveal to you through that conversation. Number two, let's see one another as brothers and sisters, children of the same heavenly Father, Greek, Canaanite, black, slave, migrant, white, Hispanic, Asian, Slav, Arab, whatever it may be. After all, no one, we learned this in the earliest stages of our Christian formation, no one has a higher place at God's table. No one has preferred status in the kingdom of God. No one is advantaged. No one is privileged in the kingdom of earth. Absolutely, happens all the time, but not in God's kingdom. What if, what if we dared to begin every conversation with brother, sister? What if we dared to use the words of Jesus whenever he would enter into a room and always say, peace be with you, peace be with this house, peace be with our gathering. What if? I mean, a family that is rooted in peace and love and respect for one another? I mean, after a while, maybe we would genuinely see each other as as true sisters and brothers in this remarkable family of God, all of us invited to dinner around a big, beautiful, expansive table of the Lord. (laughs) In ten days, we're going to gather around a table and have a conversation about race. We're calling it a town hall when we'll gather on Zoom to begin crafting a vision for racial justice at St. John's. You can learn about it on our website… Um, where you will also find a place for you to take a survey, to share your thoughts, your ideas. It's a critically important conversation that I hope will in, involve people from all, all parts of our congre- congregation. It's very, very important. And I hope you will be a part of it. Wednesday, August 26, 7 o'clock on Zoom. We'll be sending out the link soon. Now, I know that for some, it will feel like a journey to Tyre and Sidon. <laughs> but for all of us, along the way. I bet, I bet that we'll meet some beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Son, Jesus, whose heart was for all people. Lord, may that be our heart. May we reflect your care and love for all the world. May we see in the eyes of one another your very image. Lord, remove the hatred that might um, live and breathe around us and place within our hearts hearts of peace, of forgiveness, and love. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.